passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No law can stop us. No asylum can afford us. And once we were done, we were just getting started. Pollock, Ting, Post Wrestling. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock, and I'm joined by Wei Ting for life. How are you, Wei? For life. Well, that's that's kind of what we've been going for. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. Or, or at least for a few more days huh. or so. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll not see. not to not to elude that we are not continuing. Just lots is happening. Well, there'll be there will be an afterlife. Obviously, I'm very confused by all these videos. I don't know. I don't know what everything is is what's going down. New talent. That's what. Oh. Yes, I mean, if you, uh, in case you guys haven't heard, and I know there are still people who will not have heard, I got today, John, a message from somebody asking, hey, is the law still on iTunes? I ha- My feed hasn't been updating in a few weeks. I get a bunch of those, not a bunch, but I get a handful of them every week still asking. Where the, There are people that are just, yeah, you know, I they, know. Absolutely. they're getting around to it. And I feel bad, so hopefully all these questions will be answered, and hopefully all those people will find out in the weeks ahead, but of course... Um, in case people haven't heard, we have announced mm, a new home at post wrestling on Twitter and post wrestling on YouTube. Those are two of the destination points that you can go to. And I guess what we talked about weeks ago, the, the Demogorgon. It's growing way. It's now becoming something of of risk. Whoa. It cannot be contained uh, in a in a a shoebox. It cannot be contained in just one household. Huh. It's, it's trying to get out. It's trying to take over. And this coming Saturday, I don't know what's going to happen. December twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. Mark it down on your calendars. If you aren't already excited enough for Christmas, Christmas comes early. We will have a lot more to discuss in the days ahead. But for now, that's all we'll say. Follow us on Twitter at Post Wrestling, YouTube Post Wrestling, Instagram Post Wrestling Official, Facebook Post Wrestling. What is Post Wrestling? I don't even know. What, What does that mean? At Post Wrestling, at Post Wrestling, at Post Wrestling. And me and Wei, we are not ones to put 
enormous hyperbole on things, but the Christmas show this year, if there's one show that any of our longtime listeners, any new listeners, any listeners out there, if there's one show you need to hear, it is this Christmas show. It will be a show not to be missed. I promise. How about that way? Yeah, nice. Cryptic. Couldn't have been better if I did it on my phone. Like Mojo Raleigh. Ah. How was your weekend? Oh, I won't lie, Way. I'm I'm very uh, worn out right now. Mm. Well, the week's only starting. I know. It's only Monday. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas next Monday. You aware of this? 25th this year. Yeah, I think I heard heard about something like that. Um, I don't do that much Christmas shopping, but I do do a little bit. And uh, do your parents, do, do you guys exchange like a few oh, gifts? Oh, God, no. No. Are you kidding me? So these are for non-family members. Uh, that's right. Yeah. But my parents are really like, I've tried to give them gifts and they just like, they'll criticize me for spending too much money <laughs> and then they'll uh, inevitably never use these things. So I just don't even bother. I'm not a fan of that, uh, that turnaround when someone gets upset that you spent all this money on them. It's like, well, what, are, what am I to do? Apologize now? I bought you the gift. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, you're, you're, the whole reason was this was to get you something to, I know. to hopefully make you happy and, and you're not, and you're making me feel guilty now. Like the, the transaction has been completed here. So right. well, for it them, is kind of on you to accept the gift. I mean, thing is, I, I, I'm, I would, I could do that too sometimes because the, the idea is that you don't want that person, you know, ra- wasting so many of their resources on you. It's just like, especially for Asian people, it's a very kind of humble thing, you know? It's like a very Confucian thing. Don't, 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 don't use that resource on me. You should be using that resource on food, on survival, more important things. Not to get me this scarf. So this coffee maker that I have bought for your dad for having me come over every Monday night is, I, I shouldn't bring that tomorrow. Oh, he would actually like that. Oh, would he? Yeah. Uh, I'll okay. tell you something weird that he does. Okay, you know those. Does, does does he sing? He used to actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a very musical family. Yeah. Anyway, clearly. um, so my so you know those K cups. Okay. Keurig K cups. Okay, gotcha. Are you? Yes. Do you use those? I don't use them, but familiar with what they are. Okay, so they are they're Keurig K cups, and uh, one day like I see them in my in my house. I'm like, oh, did we? Did my dad buy a Keurig? And I didn't didn't see one around. Then I, one day, I just see him about to make an instant coffee with an opened, like he opened this Keurig cup as if it was like just a packet of coffee. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you crazy? You know how expensive these things are. Why wouldn't you just get instant coffee? <laughs> well, then he assured me. He assured me that he wasn't crazy, and that it was only because these things were on sale. It was like a Folgers K-Cup thing, and, and apparently maybe they don't sell as well, and they were on sale. I don't even know how much instant coffee costs, but he was saying like this whole box cost him four bucks. I'm like, all right, fine. But uh, if you got him a Keurig, John, I'm sure he would appreciate it. All right. Well, these are all good things to know then. Glad I haven't actually bought a coffee maker yet, so I, I, I'm aware of this but, specific desire. No, but please, desire. Don't, you don't have to get him anything. Um, oh, yeah. 
You do don't you, know. Do you uh, just just for everyone out there that wants to know? Like we always talk about Way and his crazy hours. Now I know where he gets it from. Like it's clearly hereditary because your dad is just a, a night a night owl. Oh, we all are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been trained. I've been trained. Like I said, we. I. You know, we're still jet lagged. We're 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 suffering from thirty years of jet lag. That's that's why. Uh, do you do you drink instant coffee? No, I Not don't. At all. So how we do you? Up, we upgraded and got this a uh, newer uh, coffee maker back in the summer, actually. Oh, okay. And you like you grind your own beans? Yes. Wow. Cool. I like to get into it. That. It's that it's not fun. a big process. It's I mean it's a it's a three minute job for, to make coffee in the morning. So it's the nothing. thing. So you put the beans inside and then you hit like the grind button. I have a separate grinder that I put the beans in, and then I put that part into the coffee maker in the top, water, and then boom, sounds you just a, go. Sounds like a lot more than three minutes of work. It's really not. I mean, you, you just you fill the water. It's a very basic process. I mean, these things are designed for people that have no patience in the morning, which I am usually one. Mm. Okay, cool. I'd like to see that one day. Maybe you, you'll make a video. Hey, I actually, I actually have a coffee scenario that I want to throw at you to get your honest feedback on, because I was aghast by this, uh, this trip I made to Starbucks last weekend. Okay. So I go in and I order my coffee. I said, can I get a grande with the dark roast, which of course this time of the year is the Christmas blend way. So the woman goes, she goes to fill up my coffee. She fills it about three quarters of the way up, and the dark roast is done. And then I see her take the cup and doesn't try to hide this, just wide open, just fills the rest of it with the blonde roast, and then just brings it right in front of me. Uh-oh. I was I had no response, but I was like, I didn't order the blonde roast. I don't want the blonde roast. In what kind of service industry? Would you just substitute something else? I mean, I don't know. Like, if this was pop, you wouldn't do that. If my my uh, ginger ale was only three quarters full, and oh, just top it up with some coke in here. Damn, that's crazy. Well, uh, okay. Would you have been able to taste the difference if you didn't see her do this? No, I wouldn't have. Mm. But it's the principle. Of it. You're right. They are different. It's completely dishonest. And, and to me, it was it was it was more so the swagger in which she did this little trick, and had no had no inhibitions about this. Oh, Just, that yeah yeah. This is what we do. I I actually you, feel you it. may order the dark roast. Maybe I'll fill the whole thing up with blonde roast. You get what you get. This is Starbucks. <laughs> I mean, I actually feel like this. That's a fireable offense. If you if you were to name names, but we shouldn't. It's Christmas. Well, I don't have her name either, so that's where this case would probably end. Well, how about this, John? How do you know that that same person didn't simply take the blonde roast uh, jug and put the dark roast in that, or vice versa? How do, how do you know it's How do you know that, it's not all blonde roast in there? Well, then I'll say I'm the only one that got the proper coffee, and then everyone else who ordered the blonde roast after me got the wrong coffee for the rest of the afternoon for the other employees that might not be aware of our uh, bait-and-switch tactics here at Starbucks. Hmm. You might have uh, unearthed 
a conspiracy? I'd love to know. I'd love to know from some, from some baristas out there. Have you ever topped up a dark roast with the blonde? I'm just glad it's it's December, where I love the the holiday style drinks at Starbucks because if this happened in the middle of May, never going back. Mm, okay. Granted, there would be no Christmas blend in May, but I found this appalling. Be like a Victoria Day blend. <laughs> the Victoria Day blend. Yeah, maybe. Is good. Are you ready to chat about Raw? Yes, I am. What an episode. Providence, Rhode Island. Maybe this is where I'm going to go for my coffee next. The Dunkin' Donuts Center. Have you had it? I have had coffee, actually, at Dunkin' Donuts, and I wasn't a big fan. No. I, I think I've I'll... had it in the States. Of All course, right. I'm dealing in the States where, of course, I asked for my milk, and that becomes quite the chore. So I probably ended up getting cream, and the guy just told me it was milk and then filled it with something else. I'm sure this is a trend in the industry. Now you're questioning everything. You've got to be skeptical in these coffee outlets now. Now you have to watch closely for every... I'm going drink. to have a magnifying glass next time I go to Starbucks. Maybe a clipboard I'll bring in. So Kurt Angle comes out to start the show. He said there was no decisive winner last week between Braun Strowman and Kane. Brock's here tonight, and he's going to determine who Brock's opponent will be at the Royal Rumble later tonight. Now keep in mind, he knew at this moment exactly what the match was going to be. This was the most obvious display of a guy just trying to milk the audience for all it was worth, which I guess Kurt, the master of milking, uh, was going to do on this show. Braun comes out. He says he earned the opportunity to face Lesnar because he was the only one standing last week at the end of the show. Kane comes out, and his argument is he has caused more destruction than anyone for over 20 years in the WWE. Some would argue Vince McMahon's outside projects have had a far worse effect when it comes to destruction and says no one is stepping in front of him. And Lesnar's list of victims is long and may include The Undertaker, but it doesn't include him. So he deserves the spot, which was quite the logic by Kane. And he's been there for 20 years. This is just been there. Yeah, this is his gold watch and says no one's taking it unless Braun's man enough to stop him. So Paul Heyman comes out, introduces Brock Lesnar, and Angle just interrupts everyone and says, okay, it's a three-way. And he leaves. And that was it. And all three men brawled. Lesnar clotheslined Braun to the floor. And then Lesnar blocks a Kane chokeslam. And then Lesnar goes to lift up Kane for the F5. And what a preview of this match we got here. As Brock Lesnar couldn't get Kane up. It took two tries to get this man up before he hit the F5. This match cannot come soon enough where we will see Brock Lesnar and Kane together in this ring. Maybe there's a reason why we haven't seen that match. <laughs> I was thinking time. that exact same thing. Wow. Uh, this three-way is, I wow. mean, Lesnar and Braun, under normal circumstances, I would say, well, there is, there's your focus of the match. But you know what? We saw that, and it was maybe it was an off night for these two, but this three-way, I don't know. This segment sure didn't... Uh, Set this program on fire for me. Well, I feel We've like... have got a month of build between these three. Well, I feel like they are probably protecting Braun and Brock for a rematch further down the line. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure... Uh, you know, both men are capable of having probably a better match than they actually had. 
and I, I believe that they are still hoping for them to have that good match somewhere, uh, some at some other point. I think putting Kane in there kind of protects that, and you know, having the three biggest men currently on the show being in the same match can be a decent draw. I do feel like the biggest reason why we're getting this match though is because it's the Rumble. It sells itself anyway. They're not running the the Alamo Dome this year. Far less pressure to have a big marquee main event. This won't be the main event. This will just be another match on the show featuring Brock Lesnar. Then we came back from break, and they trumpeted the fact that the WWE has 20 million YouTube subscribers. And you can be on one of the first towards our 20 million subscribers by going to youtube.com slash post wrestling. Oh, what's it up to right now? Let me see this. I think it was at 15 million last I checked. 446. 446 million? 446. Incredible. Seth Rollins comes out for his match with Samoa Joe. And Jason Jordan comes out before the match can begin and before Joe comes out to address Rollins. He's been asking for a match with Joe for two weeks, and he's gonna and Rollins is gonna have to wait until Jordan gets through with Joe. Rollins says he respects Jordan, but this is not his big opportunity. So then Joe comes out. Everyone's chanting for him. And Joe says, All the popular boys want to dance with him. And I just had this random vision of Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe involved in like a waltz together oh now i'm thinking about it too like you know it, how funny it would be to watch oh my god especially all three of them trying to dance together well can you imagine the end of uh la la land you know that dream sequence but with seth rollins and samoa joe That'd how be has beautiful how has that never happened during you know whether it be a a pwg multi-man tag or a bar wrestling show where they've had they advertised it as a three-way dance and it's an actual dance (laughs) that would be brilliant how has joey ryan (laughs) not done that yet god that would be the talk of the internet and that would certainly get daniel cormier tweeting oh boy pathetic (laughs) wow that would be the greatest swerve did you see any of the uh, the Macaulay Culkin stuff from the bar wrestling show last week? No. Um, What's what pro is wrestling this? sheet uh, was on the scene and they put up a video and it involved Joey Ryan, of course, and Macaulay Culkin, who's a big wrestling fan. He got involved in the no match idea. and they did like these home alone stunts, including like the paint can being thrown into one of the opponent's heads. Oh and then God. Joey Ryan gained the pinfall and Candice LeRae was uh, on the team as well. Oh, that's they amazing. got a lot of publicity for it, so that that was that was the goal, and it was achieved. Oh, that's amazing! Does this mean a, a more involvement in the future for Mac? Have you seen Macaulay Culkin in the last decade? Yes, I have. He looks, he looks like rough. He looks like Steve Buscemi. That's a that's a pretty good comparison. Mm-hmm. Like he just—he looks like a guy that is, yeah, been living in a freezer. I—I I, I would actually love to hear him cut a pro wrestling promo. Like, like, I think he would be great as uh, Bray Wyatt's um, sidekick. Oh, this is my house. I must protect it. 
<laughs> Macaulay Culkin. I love those movies. The first two. Oh, they're Christmas classics, aren't they? They were great. Do you know how much? Do you know how much anger there would be if a movie like that came out today, designed for children? I mean, there even yeah. was back then. Sure. It was actually very violent. Like those. It was. It, me and my wife watched the, every. She loves Home Alone too, especially. So we watch it every year. Yeah. And I remember last year watching it, and we're like, "Damn! Like this is really like you feel sympathy for Harry and Marv yeah. more than Macaulay Culkin. It's like." How many of these bricks do you have to throw off a rooftop to their skull? What, I, what's enough? I mean, this this child is committing murder multiple times, over and over again. Um, well, it's it's Christmas though. Anything goes. As a nine year old, the line I always remembered was in the, uh, where Harry finally gets a hold of him in the second movie. It's like. Make one move and you'll be spitting that gum out your forehead. <laughs> and I visualized that when I was a nine-year-old. I was like, oh, my God. That would be awful. Spitting your gum out of your forehead. I don't even know how that, mm, like through a wrinkle? Well, mm. it would be the bullet wound in your head. That would be the opening. Oh, I That was the implication. Ah. We, had a, we had a man threaten to, to murder a child as part of our... That was a that was part of the Home Alone two plot line. Anyway, this discussion was way better than the match we're about to review. Anyway, Joe's out. He says that complex problems have a simple solution, so he suggests Jordan face Rollins, and then the winner can face him. Rollins says the match has already been made, but and Jordan can go off and look for Daddy's approval, and then Jordan shoves Rollins, who falls down, and this causes Rollins to agree to the match. This didn't take much prodding on Jason's part. Just shove this guy. Shove is like a pretty big prod. I guess. He did fall down, so he also had the embarrassment going for him on national television. Rollins and Jordan. Do you want to guess how long this match was away? With the commercial break, I'm guessing. All bell to bell. Okay. Um, and 20? Pretty damn close. It was 19 and change. I swear, I thought this match was a half hour. It was it was very long, especially oh. and and a lot of it was just there, very standard stuff that doesn't really do anything to grab your attention, unfortunately. So on this show, we had no Roman Reigns, and that was a big gap on this show without Roman Reigns. Not to say mm-hmm. this would have been a smooth sailing show without him, but what we got was some very long matches that you felt all the minutes of. And this was one of them, I felt. So Jordan is hitting him with all these suplexes. Michael Cole has an update for us that Kurt will schedule Joe against the winner of this match at a future date. So get ready, folks. Get to the edge of your seat to get invested in this match. Booker talks about how he always speaks to the younger guys to slow it down. And he thinks that Jordan's got it. So that was his... his, his uh, input here is that Jordan's slowing things down, which got me excited here for this match. Crowd started chanting how boring this was. Rollins landed a suicide dive. They both beat the count at nine and the crowd seemed so disappointed that this match was continuing when they both beat the count. Uh, There was this great looking Northern light suplex by Jordan for a two count Rollins with the frog splash. Then Rollins and Joe start exchanging words on the floor. 
Rollins throws Jordan into Joe, super kicks Joe, and then they go back into the ring. Rollins gets his legs caught, and Jordan gets a two count up to their feet, and Rollins hits the knee and wins the match. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> yes. Are you okay there? I'm fine. Yep. Man, you almost didn't make it out of this match. Neither did I. It was just really long, and this did not have the fire of your better Seth Rollins matches. I, I was kind of disappointed. This was uh, a Jason Jordan match. I mean, this guy has uh, he's had some very good performances of late, uh, but this was one where the crowd wasn't into it, and uh, I think it was just it's just a long match. Yes, it really was just there. Um, very standard stuff, and... Well, maybe they're conserving themselves because both of these men had to wrestle later on. Rollins and Joe fought in the ring afterwards, and Joe took a cheap shot as the referee was trying to pull Rollins off, and then Joe laid him out with a urinage in the middle of the ring, and then he hit Jordan on the floor, clotheslining him against the barricade. After the break, Rollins and Ambrose are with Kurt Angle in his office, and Rollins wants the match with Joe for tonight. Angle cannot do that. Jordan enters. He wants Joe too. So Angle decides to make a six-man tag with these three against Samoa Joe, Cesaro, and Sheamus. I don't know why Kurt couldn't clear Rollins for a singles match, but a six-man, that was cool. That was fine. A match hmm. in which Rollins worked pretty much the entirety of as well. He just, he's prone to pretty um, impromptu decision-making, this Kurt Angle. Which makes me wonder what he had planned originally for these three hours. I have no idea because as Michael Cole later stated in the show, it's the night of impromptu matches. Mm -hmm. Maybe Kurt was just planning to come out every half hour to tease the uh, the Royal Rumble announcement. <laughs> that was the whole show. Those are his notes for the show. Tease All right. Rumble. One of the men. <laughs> it rhymes with... Vain. Oh, you're no, gonna have be, to. He'd be more subtle. Yeah. Oh no, that's not it. Yeah. Keep guessing. See you later. Who am I? <laughs> mm -hmm. Then they recapped uh, the Woken Matt Hardy development. Michael Cole refers to his promos as "quote far out statements." Mm. Yeah, did you notice? Uh, <laughs> did you notice Rebby Hardy in, in the crowd? Of the show. Oh, I didn't see her. Yeah, she's she was, uh, she was right in front of Joe during that match, and uh, I assume for the rest of the ma uh, show as well. Was this Maxwell's debut? Maxwell, I don't think was shown on TV, but um, I believe he was there. So Bray is then on the screen, and he asks what it is that draws people to Matt Hardy. His childish laugh, his funny faces, all the fun and games, and... He says this is where he comes in because someone's going to get hurt and he'll make sure that the right people get hurt like Matt Hardy and all of you. I was feeling pain during this. He wants to play this game of chess and he says the great war must end. I didn't know it had begun, but we are in the middle of a great war. Yeah, he started singing. He's, he did a Charlie, Charles Manson quote in here. Oh, wow. Timely. Mm -hmm. Um. So this also this also died a death. So this week we 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 had our vegetables straight up, without the combining <laughs> yeah. them. 
yeah, this was Matt just uh, enough is enough. The peas must be digested. Yeah. Oh, it was fine. You know, at least I think he is a target. And I think this is a feud that people are looking forward to. And, you know, that's that's an achievement at this point, I think, with uh, Bray Wyatt. Finn Balor was out for a two-on-one handicap match against Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. They stomped on Balor in the corner. Dallas distracted Balor, and then Axel nailed him from behind. More stomps. This was the, just the match of stomping. Balor comes back, and then what did he do to uh, fight back? He hit a double foot stomp to Bo Dallas, and then Axel jumped Balor. Dallas prevents Balor from hitting the coup de gras, which would have been an even higher stomp. They double-team him with stomps, and the DQ is called at 5.33. And as he's getting beaten, Hideo Itami's music plays, and he storms down the aisle. The announcers state he wasn't supposed to debut till tomorrow night, but here he is, all dressed and ready to wrestle. Comes out, lays out Axel with some kicks, hits a head kick to Dallas. Balor holds him up and sends him to the floor. We go to a commercial break, and we come back, and boom, Hideo Tommy is in his first match on the main roster, joined in progress. I guess it tells me that this was a lightning fast debut and introduction for Hideo Tommy. Yeah, but I'm trying to think what Kurt Angle was thinking in all this. You know, he sets up a two on one handicap match, and then uh, I would assume he recruited Hideo Tommy to come in. And what, do the run-in? So Kurt Angle had this whole thing planned against Finn Balor this entire time. Well, there, there's a lot. When you become a general manager, you have selective foresight. You can see parts of the future. Like, Kurt Angle knew Hideo Itami would be needed in a physical role tonight. That's why he had him all dressed up and ready to go. He knew there would be problems for Balor, and it would be a perfect introduction. Much like Stephanie later on, she would know that this six-woman tag would turn into a brawl involving all of the women out there. Yeah, right. Understood. So that's a, that's a key to this whole thing. Once you become a general manager, there's also a knowledge base. It's kind of like um, having the force. Oh, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, so after years of developmental, we finally get the Hideo Itami main roster debut, very little fanfare. Man just and he's appears. a baby face. He's back to being a baby face, which mm, I was right. enjoying his, his little heel run he was having in NXT, although he's been pretty much off television for a while. Mm. Um, not, not too much to this tag match. Graves did bring up the history of Finn Balor and Hideo Itami, where Balor uh, had his first takeover match teaming uh, with Hideo Itami against the Ascension. So, so, and, so, man, like he came in after Hideo. Like, if you remember Hideo, how long has how long has Hideo been been in? NXT? He was signed in early 2014. Mm-hmm. That's longer than almost anybody that they've brought up. Yeah. He's almost been in the then. WWE for four years, an mm-hmm. Olympic cycle. Yeah, wow. Axel got the advantage on Balor. Hot tag to Itami. Balor hit the running drop kick to Dallas on the floor into the barricade and Atami lifted up Axel hit the GTS won the match in 440 and not to say you could redo what they did in NXT with the long tease for the GTS oh but no. it was just 
it just felt like such nothing here. But maybe they just wanted to introduce him in time so that he can do the GTS next week in Chicago. I think most talents who come up from NXT come up with a lot of buzz. Uh, Hideo would tell me he had none of that. He might as well just have been another guy. Um, he might as well have been Oni Lorcan. You know, like nobody seemed in this audience seemed to recognize that he was even setting up the GTS. And therefore, I think he needs all the help he can get right now to get over. And that's why you should get him doing the GTS. You know, what would have really helped is have guys like Brian, you know, guys like Cesaro, guys like whoever talk about this guy to really build him up for an audience who clearly doesn't know who he is. Um, The fact that they're committing him to 2055 committing him uh it's it's pretty much good good way to put it i mean it's pretty much an acknowledgement that you know they're they're they they're not really seeing that much in this guy he can't really promo he's been a little underwhelming in the ring he's small he's prone to injury basically everything vince mcmahon hates so it really feels like this move is them simply cutting their losses with this guy who's been on their roster for four years now. Could you imagine if he had been brought in as a heel and next week he has, whether he's paired with somebody or even himself, and he calls himself the inventor of the GTS? Hmm. I think that would get him over. Like, that would get get him a babyface reaction. Maybe. The thing is, like, I mean, I understand sometimes you want to carry people over from their NXT personas, but I think in certain cases, and I, I would say this with the Dami who's who has not been on TV in a bit, I don't even think people remember. Like, the people watching on this show probably don't know all that much about him, even from NXT. So, you know, why not start him off as what I think most people just see him as, as a surface, on the surface, and that's Probably just, you know, this uh, kind of go-getter young baby face. Okay. Scale of 1 to 10, okay? Mm-hmm. Scale of 1 to 10 that until tonight, Vince McMahon never knew what his finish was and saw him do it for the first time tonight. No. <laughs> and it's and it's Come taken on. away from him. No. I, I really don't think so. I think Vince is, is at almost all the takeovers. Sure, he knows him. He's been on this roster for four years. Wait, have you have you looked at some of the NXT talent that that has come up here? This this has hardly been a. Uh, I I don't know if Vince has a time slot in built into his week where he sits down for fifty eight minutes to watch NXT. At this point, in fact, I'd be stunned if he did. At this point, having the GTS is pretty much the only thing Tommy has, and without it, he really is just unfortunately incredibly vanilla. Like, as a fan of his, even from Noah, like, I have to say, you know, his his run has been very disappointing. And uh, there's really nothing about him in this match that stood out. And so, you know, amongst the Cruiserweights, I think, you know, he'll, he'll have a bit of a small run. But I don't even know if they'll, you know, have him beat Enzo for the belt. Who's hide Oh. Oh, that's that's his new name. He he was uh he went by this who who the f- Ken Ken Ta God Kenta, damn it oh, Kenta Kobashi. Which one was he? Was that the hot dog eater? 
Renee interviews Cedric. How far are we away from a gimmick like that? That's what I envisioned for Hideo Itami ultimately. You know what I want? I want Vince McMahon and Hideo Itami on a ride along. That's what I want. Oh, God. I think I would cringe like the entire half hour. Man, that would be great. Vince turns on the ACDC. Yeah. Kenta like slowly puts his headphones on. Mm-hmm. Actually, the better one would have been. Who, who? Well, you couldn't go wrong with Vince McMahon and just about anyone. Oh, yeah. But oh. in this moment, Hideo Itami would be my my ride along dream scenario of mm-hmm. Vince McMahon. And then Vince just uh, Vince is driving, of course. Yeah, so he'd start yeah, speeding yeah. like a maniac. Seems to be the type that would drive in text at the same time. If it's too quick, you can always go to sleep. <laughs> uh, what a character. Vince McMahon. Cedric Alexander. Uh, he says he's asked if he's overlooking Drew Gulak. And he went on this long speech about wanting to represent the cruiserweights and be champions so bad. And the only way he's going to be overlooking Drew Gulak is when he stands over top of him tonight. And Renee was convinced. The Rock received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, joining Vince McMahon. Which is kind of amazing that Dwayne Johnson all these years didn't have one. But Vince McMahon did. Vince is in for TV. And obviously, The Rock. I mean, I get why Vince is in. Um... I mean, The Rock, really, I think, like, 10 years ago, the guy was doing things like the Tooth Fairy, you know? Hardly kind of like a Hall of Fame career at that point. He he was still doing, like, he was doing pretty solid box office at the time, but now it's another now stratosphere he's, that yeah, he's reached. He's at the top. Like he is one of, you could argue he's the most valuable person attached to like he has made he has resurrected franchises he's carried franchises he's one of the most valuable people to any hollywood project like isn't statistically like isn't he one of the top earners in hollywood yeah there was i think it was two years ago i think he was the top earner Hmm. if i'm not mistaken enzo comes out with drew gulak and made a bunch of Star Wars jokes. He said the G-Force is running strong in Gulak and then hands over his microphone lightsaber to Drew Gulak. Drew says he always sees himself as a Jar Jar Binks and the crowd boos this. He says he's a hero. This is the biggest match of his life and he owes it all to his best friend Enzo and he prepared a Enzo Amore tribute PowerPoint, but Cedric interrupted this. Uh, Before we get into the match, did you see Star Wars on the weekend way? I did. Oh wow! I caught a now, mid- I caught a midnight screening. I'm going to defend. You watched uh, it too? I haven't seen it. No, oh, I'm okay. actually going to go this weekend and see it. I already know what happens, so I don't need to know. Uh, Ooh, how do you know what happens? I'll tell you how I know what happens. First of all, I'm, don't say what happens. I'm not going to say okay. it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. And I have a listen. I know a lot of people think that I'm just oh, guy has no respect for spoilers. Not true. Not true. I have always maintained that there should be a certain amount of time that we can all talk about these things where me and my good friend Way, such as next Monday, for instance, can spend our Christmas together chatting about Star Wars, perhaps. Oh, I think that's too early. I think with a movie like this, it should be like a month. Okay. 
it is the holiday season. A lot of people are off work, but I digress. Thursday night, I'm on Twitter, and who should pop up on my feed but one Colby Covington, who, <laughs> who gets right to the this. point and blows. <laughs> oh my god! I will go out on a limb and say the key plot point of this movie. And he infuriated so many people. And I'm just like, I really don't care at all. But I can imagine what oh people God. that had been waiting two years to see this movie felt like. And this is Thursday night. Yeah. You yeah. didn't even give people a chance. Oh, I'm and, so glad I didn't follow and didn't see that. Oh, well, I did. And I mean, you what should, a guy. Come on. Listen. The, this the, was, that was just so mean-spirited. Hey. The Brazilian thing is one thing, okay? This is a different level. Ruining Star Wars, he should be sent to jail or something like this. Got, if I had a boomerang, I'd toss it right at his head. <laughs> so a lot of people were, were very angry here. But the, hey, that is one I am not going to defend at all. Listen, Didn't even give people a chance to go out and see it. I mean, the guy is doing his best pro wrestler impression. I'd say... <laughs> At times, probably even taking it too far, um, but you know. But you know what? He's more relevant and popular than than this was a guy completely. that was continually winning fights, and nobody could pick this guy out of a lineup. So you cannot yeah. convince me that all of this has not worked for him. It yeah. totally has. Completely, completely. But at what point, you know, like even somebody like Chael, I don't think you know, had a bit more tact. It seems like Colby had some exposure to pro wrestlers. And all of a sudden, just like, oh, okay, I get it now. You just have to be a dick, no matter what. Just, just, just piss people off. That's all you have to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's it's coming from as much of a calculated place as, as say, somebody like a Chael. Uh, then we get into the match: Drew Gulak against Cedric Alexander. Enzo joined commentary, which allowed uh, Enzo and Grace to just bicker back and forth forever. Alexander drop kicks Gulak to the floor, hit a Topicon hero as Cole catches himself calling him Zulak and then corrected himself. Enzo asked, what is worse in reference to next Monday's Raw than getting Cole on Christmas, which is a very good line. They tumble over the top of the vertical suplex sequence. Both are on the floor. Then it broke down further into Enzo and Graves just arguing back and forth, back and forth. Gulak uh, works the the back of Cedric, who then caught him with a standing Spanish fly. And then he applied this submission where he, he tied up the leg of Cedric and then turned him almost into like a bow and arrow submission. But Cedric got to the rope. Enzo's checking his phone and then gets up and leaves the desk, which I'm sure Corey just assumed he's got a child somewhere. And Alexander then did a springboard clothesline and the lumbar check. And he wins the match. So Cedric will face Enzo at a date to be determined. The result surprised me. I thought this this was all gearing towards uh, Drew Gulak getting that match. And it seems like at the end of all this, Cedric, even though he won, he is a complete afterthought in this entire storyline. There's no focus on him following. Uh, He's the quintessential 205 live performer. The storyline is between still between Drew and Enzo and now Nia Jax. And Cedric is just sort of a, a background performer to carry on this love triangle, whatever thing that they're they're doing. This uh, is one of the most underrated guys on the roster. I think Cedric yeah. Alexander is so great. Oh my and God. he is so yeah. held back by being in this division. I think he's like the standout 
performer. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people on that show that yeah. don't get any focus, but Cedric is right near the top of my list. I, com- I think he's tremendous. Oh, I completely agree. He's been, he, he tears it up every single week. Unfortunately, I get the sense they don't care that much about how good this guy is in ring, and they probably care more about how he is as a character. And mm, unfortunately, whether it be the material he's been giving or, or whatever, hasn't shown that much personality yet. Um, but I agree with you. Like if they if they put their efforts behind him, I don't doubt that he could become a big deal. By the way, do you have any update on Neville? Just that they he he still had a lot of time on his deal, and they were trying to work things out, but they haven't worked anything out. And he's just yeah, it's been months now. Mm. So there's nothing really new on on his status. I think ultimately you would think they're eventually going to come to an agreement on a release if he's this adamant on not returning. And I'm surprised. I mean, they have him under a contract, so maybe they feel they don't have to do him any favors. Should he just come back at this point? I guess it depends how upset he really was, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe he's enjoying the time off. I do maintain that, you know, with a lot of these cruiserweights, I think there's so much more to be had with them in a tag team situation. Pair one of these guys with the heavyweight who's floundering, not doing anything. Somebody like a Titus O'Neil, or sorry, or a Apollo Crews, you know? A small guy with a big guy, and you have, you know, probably have something that could work. Um, I, I'm not really sure why they choose to keep these guys so exclusive to this division. Enzo's backstage on his phone, and he had received a direct message from Nia Jax, and he denies that Drew's his friend, says that Gulak just works for him. And then Gulak shows up with a bloody nose and a Kleenex stuck up his nostril. And he's informing Enzo he lost. He let Enzo down and he wants to talk about it. So Naya takes the hint and then she takes off. And Enzo yells that Drew did a lot of things wrong. And after the segment, Graves said that Enzo is love struck and he wished that he was bus struck instead. Do you think, uh, what are the chances that Drew ends up with Nia? Oh, that would be, that would be pretty funny, actually. She, every time she does make some little comment to Drew, like last week complimented him on his PowerPoint presentations. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. That would be a, that would be a, a good kind of swerve to, to end this. Yes, it's great. This would be the turnaround that the 205 Live division needs. Yeah. yeah. Drew Gulak and Nia Jax (laughs) ruling the division. Asuka was out next with Alicia Fox. We had an insert promo from Fox. She says she's going to break Asuka's undefeated streak or she will freak out. One of the two. Chant of Asuka's going to kill you begins the match. Asuka did a dance to mock Fox and then took her down by grabbing the arm. Booker says you just can't expect to go out there and win every time and believe believing your own press and Cole and Graves would not drop this and they just came back at Booker and they were like no Booker she has done that she's won every time yeah but you can't just assume you're going to win because eventually you're going to have a bad night no 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 Booker she doesn't lose that's never happened it's been going on for two years now and this just went back and forth forever Fox hit her northern light suplex. Asuka gets out. Blasts her with some strikes. Missile drop kick. 
reverse hip attack, and then a head kick, arm bar, taps out Alicia Fox in three minutes and 40 seconds. I felt the crowd was pretty cold for this one. Um, I mean, when you consider the matchup, it's really not that not that much to get excited about. I, I mean, these are meant to be squashes. I don't know how well they're necessarily connecting as squashes because I feel like Asuka, you know, probably, she, probably maybe she's being told, but like her offense doesn't look stiff enough to really evoke that type of reaction from a crowd like how, let's say, a Braun Strowman match or even that Bludgeon Brothers match would. Um, at this point, I feel like the squashes have kind of run their course. They've done their job of introducing her to the audience. Now I think it's time to actually put her into a storyline. And I think that'll be challenging for them because they haven't exactly been too successful with similar um, pushes with Shinsuke Nakamura or Kiritazawa, you know, people who don't natively speak English and have to have basically other people talk for them. Uh, or at least try to talk through their actions. Um, so yeah, it remains to be seen how successful they are. Okay, six months time. Drew Gulak is with Nia Jax, and Enzo hooks up with Asuka. <laughs> I mean, you kid, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's just I think it just shows you how different NXT is from the WWE, where in NXT's a character like her or Nakamura really doesn't need all that much help, to be honest. Just have them win, and the crowd does the rest because there's that reverence for, like, Japanese wrestlers. Here on the main roster, it's, it's I mean, it's different people writing the shows. It's, it's a different crowd. Um, they just, I feel, haven't really cracked that formula yet. Six-man tag was next. Samoa Joe, Cesaro, and Sheamus against Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Jason Jordan. By the way, the, Rollins, sn- the Snickers moment of the night. Yeah, we got uh, we got Chris Jericho's debut from 18 years ago. Coming fresh off New Japan spoofing this for his yeah. recent debut for New Japan, or return to New Japan. There are two guys that don't work for us right now. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how they pick these. I mean, it has to be Snickers, right? Like why would know. why would Vince McMahon pick this moment, okay? Or somebody even associated with Vince McMahon pick this particular moment to feature on their show? Okay, if anyone out there listening works at Snickers, my direct messages are open. Okay, I want I want you to contact me and let me know how these Snickers spots are selected. I I desperately want to know. You this. have a guy coming who's who's wrestling in one of the main events of somebody who's your closest competitor right now. In less than two weeks. Wait a minute. Hunter did an interview last week. He said that's great. Good for good for Chris. Yeah. Well, maybe it doesn't mean anything. Joe, Cesaro, and Sheamus against Rollins, Ambrose, and Jason Jordan. Rollins took out Cesaro with a dive to the floor. The heels were on the floor. That set up the commercial. They return. Magically, they're now in control and have taken Rollins into their corner, working his previously injured back. So at least we had some uh, connect some connection to the singles match from earlier between Jordan and Rollins. Rollins is fighting off Cesaro and Sheamus. He takes the Irish curse and Rollins pretty much sold the entire way here. And the highlight of this shockingly was Cesaro and his continual breakups of the hot tag. And every time you thought Rollins was going to get there to the corner, Cesaro just showed up out of nowhere 
booting Ambrose off, yanking guys off. I mean, Cesaro was just always there. It was great. He's got such incredible intensity with with even a, a tag team match like this. You know, every time he's in there, it just feels like he's uh, he's like running at you full speed. And I, I mean, I, I really liked enjoy, uh, really enjoyed watching Rollins sell in this match. I think he was very effective last week and very effective this week, especially working against great aggressors like the Bar. Rollins eventually hit a suicide dive to everyone on the floor, including his teammate Dean Ambrose, who went down grabbing his elbow, and he was tended to by one of the ringside physicians. Rollins returns to the ring after checking on Dean and goes right into a brogue kick and Cesaro's the legal man pinning Rollins. I think Rollins was in this match from start to finish. Mm, right. Yeah. Well, he was it, the baby face in peril with the injured well, back. This was a fine six man. And there was a storyline at the end of it with Dean's injury. And yeah, I mean, I thought Dean was very convincing. I, He's like the moment they uh, he got he made contact with uh, uh, Rollins. He starts slapping the floor. Um, I I mean even up until then I was like okay you know this is a work. But then like what kind of had me was when uh, uh, what is it uh, they went for the brogue kick and then Cesaro goes for the pin and the ref was kind of late with the pin so that it almost felt like it was like sloppy and kind of like uncoordinated. And so that had me kind of really guessing, but then the next segment just kind of, uh, I guess, alleviated all that. They also deviated from the standard formula of the baby face selling, selling, and then you make it to the hot tag. That never happened. Right. Yes. A limo arrives backstage, and it's the returning Stephanie McMahon who gets out. Then we go to Matt Hardy, who is playing chess. And it's revealed he's playing against a goldfish named Napoleon. No, I think it's the reincarnation of Napoleon. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it would still be named Napoleon, though, right? Uh, I don't know what... It could be named something else. But he recognizes it as who his original form was, and that's Napoleon. Does your name survive a reincarnation? I don't think so. Or do you start from scratch? I think you start from scratch. But he has the ability to see who you were before. Like you, right. you are John, but you're re- you, you were reincarnated from something else. So if I showed up at your doorstep as a wolf, you wouldn't. I wouldn't call say, it John. You wouldn't. Okay. No. Do you get to name me? Do I get to name myself? A wolf? I mean, I'm sure maybe wolves um, either don't have names, or maybe the wolf parents name the wolves. I feel there'd be a fifty-fifty chance you'd shoot me. Um. Well, I don't own a gun. I can't do that. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, chances are I would just try to shut the door and uh, try I'd not. I'd be pretty frightened if a wolf showed up at my doorstep. Yeah. I've. Uh, it's not even a scenario I've ever thought about, uh, to be honest. Now that I think about it, yes, it would suck. Okay. So I'd, I'd opt to be a kitten. He says that the battlefield in WWE is like a chessboard. You must be very strategic with every move or face annihilation, which was about the most true statement stated of WWE politics ever on their own program. Speaking the truth, he's woke. His light will illuminate any shadow that Bray casts and will stand side by side with his woken warriors, which I already feel is our marketing of his fan base. And Bray and Sister Abigail must be deleted which I could have sworn Sister Abigail was deleted after that awful buildup. So 
It tells me that she must be reincarnated first and then deleted again. Well, it tells me that they are still, you know, keeping the sister Abigail thing alive. And could it mean that we'll eventually get a sister Abigail versus Rebby Hardy match? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know about that one. Why not? I, I guess anything is possible. Are we well, going to have to? Yeah. So Sister Abigail is going to have to now be someone that's not Bray dressed as Sister Abigail. I think they dodged that bullet. They're given a second chance with this thing. I think they should do the right thing and properly cast Sister Abigail. Um, I could have sworn the bullet went right into the thesis of that idea. <laughs> I mean, the worst of awards are coming up and, you know. We will put all that stuff to trial. That's for sure. I thought a, a good broken Matt Hardy promo from Matt Hardy. Oddly enough, I think, you know, he and Bray sort of have these, like, similar off-the-wall promo styles. But I can understand Matt Hardy far better than I've ever understood Bray. Agreed. Yeah. Ambrose is being checked on in the back with Rollins by his side. And they get jumped by Joe, Cesaro, and Rollins. Uh, sorry, by Joe, Cesaro, and Sheamus. And Rollins gets dropped on the floor, and then there's a big equipment case, and Joe smashes the case shut on Ambrose's arm. Yeah, I Joe this... is continually <laughs> my favorite person on Raw every week. He's great. I mean, he, he and Cesaro, I think, are just awesome. And I think Sheamus isn't that much further behind. I really like that team of the three of them. And I thought this was a really nice spot. Um, it means Dean's probably going to be gone for a bit, right? Or he'll just work with one arm. Hmm. All possible. Yeah. Rhino and Heath Slater were in the ring. And this was the big return of the Revival who came out. Uh, we cut to the back and Apollo Crews and Titus were standing with Alexandra York, Dana Brooke, mm -hmm. taking notes. Cole tried to compare the Revival to the Rock and Roll Express and Booker would have none of this. He just shot it down as a very bad comparison because the Rock and Roll Express were high flyers. And to Booker's credit, he was completely right here. Awful mm -hmm. comparison. Rhino knocks Dash Wilder from the apron, and then he knocks into Slater. And Dash then takes Rhino off the apron to the floor. There's a blind tag to come in. They hit the shatter machine, and Dash gets the pinfall on Slater in three minutes and four seconds. I thought for three minutes, um, the revival, um, great to see them back. Strong yes, performance, uh, yeah. Yes. I I feel like in the end, it's going to be the promos and the longer pay-per-view matches that are really going to separate, get these guys noticed. In these kind of non-speaking short TV matches, I, I don't think they look <laughs> impressive enough to get over on that alone. But just as a reintroduction, I think this was fine. The, um, you know, the, the problem is that you... When you look at the babyface tag teams that are there, like mm -hmm. Rollins and Ambrose are kind of, you know, they're they're kind of in the tag division, but kind of not. The Hardys aren't a tag team at all. At Gallows and Anderson are just kind of like doing shop, uh, WWE shop ads. Are they even babyfaces? Yeah. yeah. So it's not. like the Raw tag division is, mm -hmm. it's really a mess at which, the moment. I mean, which means you know it's a good time to re-debut these guys because I think. You know, they're sorely needed, but you're right. Like, who can they go up against right now? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the Rock and Roll Express. Hmm. They were yeah. just a star kid. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Hey, Rhino looks huge now. I 
I was going to note. He looked gigantic here. He looked like he was shot in SD, but stretched to fit an HD screen. Jesus way. I mean it. The dude is like twice as wide now as, as when he was. When like he he's came. always had those enormous thighs and legs, but man, yeah. he looked huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. Slater and Rhino were backstage afterwards. Another night, another loss. And they meet with Kurt Angle, who calls it a tough loss. He appreciates the effort, but he needs them to toughen up if they want the opportunities. And Slater's worried he's going to get fired at Christmas time. Rhino says they need to change things to be able to beat teams like the bar. And Slater needs to toughen up, and he knows how to do that. So it looks like you're going to get these two back to some comedic vignettes to, I guess, reinvigorate this team that everyone's forgotten about. Hey, I mean, like we just said, they need baby faces in that division. And I'm really happy to see these two actually finally get a storyline. I thought they were fantastic with their vignettes on SmackDown. Like over, was that like a year ago? Over a year ago. Over a year at this point. And then they just completely dropped them, you know? Um, And I thought they had fantastic chemistry, comedic chemistry. And then here in the short glimpse that we got to see of them talking, I thought they showcased that same thing. So I'm glad to see them get another chance. Maybe next week we'll get the return of the creepy rhino Santa Claus that we saw in Talking Smack last year. Do you remember that one? Yeah. It was all. It was yeah. terrible. So maybe. Elias was in the ring. He mentions Tom Brady and that the two of them have crossed paths many times. And he's told Elias his music is the soundtrack to his success. And he listens to him on game day during rituals such as deflating footballs and manipulating the rule book which this crowd was not going to have any of. Elias says he's a legend, too. Yeah, so, sorry, be... is, is Tom Brady... They were in Providence, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's the New England area. Oh, okay. I, I, think, I mean, not living in Providence, but I would take it that most of these fans would believe yeah, the yeah. Patriots are their team. Oh, okay. He says it will be the performance of the year on January 28th when he enters and wins the Royal Rumble. And he's got a song dedicated to... NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, which generates a lot of booze. But before he can sing his song, he's interrupted by Sasha Banks. Then he goes to start again. Mickey comes out and Elias says, all the women want to walk with Elias and asks the women to sing along. And then Bailey comes out and this is where he gives up. He goes to leave. Bailey offers a hug and Elias just walks past her and leaves. It was Elias was pretty funny here. I found it a little awkward with the women interrupting without any real reason. I thought Sasha was going to come out and actually speak. I thought but... she was going to defend the uh, the New England area. Oh, yeah, sure. Defend Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, it just feel, it feels like they just tried to mash this whole, mash up like an Elias segment with the entrances to the, the main event, basically. Yeah, they really had to shoehorn Elias onto this show, mm-hmm. it seemed. Hideo Itami debuts on 205 Live tomorrow night, which... I mean, is, that re- is that really a debut? Not at all. It's like saying, you know. I guess he he's debuting on two hundred five live. Yes. Okay. On that particular show. I guess what a uh, what a distinction. Every week, but then you could next week you could say, oh, he's debuting on the uh, uh, December twenty sixth version of two hundred five live. He's debuting in Chicago next Monday. Yeah. They announce for Christmas night next week in Chicago the return of John Cena. And that's all they've got announced for next week. So, John Cena, what a team player. They bring him back for the Survivor Series, change their plans for him, 
put him in an elimination tag where he looks like nothing, came back for no reason. And then they say, hey, John, what are you doing for Christmas? Wrong. We're bringing you out on the road. Thanks, guys. I feel this guy. I'll, I'll be very happy when this guy moves. When when he moves on, I'm going to be happy for him because this guy does everything. So what do you think? Guy. I mean, obviously, the thinking is to try to get as many people watching as possible on a show that is kind of probably very tough to get viewers. Oh, dude, like you and I haven't even discussed yet what we're doing next week. But I mean, it's just this is such a nothing show next week. I know. But like uh, having Cena on the show. I guess, you know, I think it's you, a waste of seeing it, to be honest. I mean, they did bring him back in the summer on July 4th, and that ended up doing way better um, because of him. So, I mean, if there's one guy that's going to make a notable difference, it is John Cena. And I assume he'll be announcing whatever he's doing for the Rumble, probably maybe even just competing. Oh, but Elias did say he was uh, entering himself in the Rumble, right? We have one man in the Rumble, mm-hmm. Elias. Yeah. And you're right, they should set up Cena's Rumble involvement next mm-hmm. week. That would be logical. He's going for, you know, the flair record, and his way to do it is to compete at the Rumble. Sasha Banks, Mickey James, and Bailey took on Absolution. They got Sasha in the corner and stomped her. Paige then knocked Bailey off the apron with a forearm. Sonya was in, striking Bailey repeatedly on the floor, and then Mickey and Mandy, they're fighting on the floor while Paige just directed traffic in the ring until Sasha hit a seated senton from the top. Then Mandy Rose made the save. They double-teamed Sasha until the DQ is called after three minutes and eight seconds. Uh, nothing to this match. Oh, nothing at all. I mean, this was the I angle would, to set up the post-match. I'm wondering if it was, if, 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 if any of the match was cut for time, but yeah, like it wasn't really meant to be anything, unfortunately. Nia Jax then comes out, and she goes after Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, lifts them up and hits a double Samoan drop while Paige just watches from the corner and then clips the knee of Nia, and this prompts the women's locker room of Dana Brooke, Alicia Fox, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss, the random women's champion in the midst of all of this, to all run out, and then... The fairy godmother herself came out and put a cast. uh, She cast a spell on everybody in the ring and they all just froze in the presence of the queen herself. Stephanie is out. All the women are just standing at attention after trying to murder one another for the prior couple of minutes. And Stephanie gives her. Her standard speech. Three years ago, a revolution began mentions the greats, fabulous Moolah and Mae Young. And these women turned it into an evolution. They became superstars and headliners. We've got the first women's Hell in a Cell, the first women's Money in the Bank. There was recently a match in the Middle East. They have inspired people all over the world with their talent and asks if you want to see them make history again. And Stephanie announces that on January 28th, it will be the first all-women's Royal Rumble match and then she starts a yes chant. And the show ends. Show ends, yes. That is the big news. Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, I I feel like, listen, it's kind of tough because like, I'm trying to think of a better person who could have delivered this message. Unfortunately, I can't. And I think it's too bad because Stephanie just seems so disingenuous when she's uh, switching tone and trying to all of a sudden go from being top heel authority figure to being 
liberator of the women's division. You know, um, her delivery is exactly the same. And uh, it's kind of like tough to like her, even though the words she's saying, I think, are supposed to be very, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, uplifting. But they, I, I don't know who else they could, could have gotten who's uh, readily available to deliver. For all of this stuff, it's always going to be Stephanie. Stephanie will always be the front and center um well, you know what though? Like, wait, hold on a second though. Lita was the one who presented the belt when they that's true. Made That's the true. Shift. They did that. I didn't even have a big issue with Stephanie. If there was anything, and I mean, I kind of feel for the women here who, when Stephanie's there in the middle, they mm-hmm. all have to drop their characters, and they're all like, they. It no, felt she, like she's God. Yeah, she's God. But well, like, it it felt like these were all children. That we're all being told you're getting the present you want for Christmas. And that's how they had to react. And it was like, and you had the the absolution like this. You had just like, like they just felt like they were little kids being told that uh, Santa's coming tomorrow. It's the Royal Rumble. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think how they would have, you know, went around that. Uh, got around that. Like, I'm trying to think if it was the reverse, okay? And if it was, like, the men in there. And then all of a sudden, Vince McMahon comes in. And then all the male talent, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, they all surround Vince. And Vince delivers a similar message. Oh, you're all getting... Uh, there's no more two-hour Raw. It's going to be the first ever men's Braun Petty's match. <laughs> Yes, Vince. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Um, how how do you think that would make the talent come across? Would 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 that be a negative, or or is this a different situation? I just, I just want the, especially like absolution. Like they feel as though like these were these three yeah. menacing. Villains. They're here that have to, run roughshod over yeah. the locker room, and here they are. Just they're supposed to be taken over, and not really be subservient to the boss. Yeah. If anything, I mean, I don't think this is really nitpicking. I think it's just it was such a. You're right. It didn't need to happen. Like this, this, yeah. this she interrupted uh, like a massive brawl involving all these women. So anyway, she parted the seas. She did. Um. Do you like the idea of a of a women's Royal Rumble? This will be two Royal Rumbles on yes. one show. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of it, and uh, I think the timing is right. I think the buzz is there. I think the expectation is there, and uh, clearly, you know, this is probably a big part of the reason why uh, Absolution and also the Riot Squad uh, were called up. And uh, I guess the only question is how many uh, how many people would it be in the match? Do they have enough for 30? They said, uh, didn't they say 30? Did they? I thought they said 30. Do they even have 30 women? Between, well, you've got Raw, you've got SmackDown. You'll probably have some from NXT just you'll, in there. And then you're going to have women from I think women from a, the past. Yeah, that's true. I think you'll need quite a bit from NXT, though. At least a few. Um, okay. I wouldn't go crazy, but I think you'll have a few that are just much like they do with the Andre Battle Royal, yeah. where there's a few NXT in there that then go back to NXT afterwards. As with the uh, Rumble, you can certainly fill it with thirty. You're right. As with the Rumble, the the men's Rumble, I'm not expecting a good match. Okay, the fun in the Rumble is to 
like exactly what you just said, see who comes oh, it's the out. Booking. The nostalgia, yes, the, the 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 booking. It's it's not a match that requires much great wrestling. You know, it's it's just it's mainly about uh, how how well you can tell your stories in there, how what associations you can draw. You're gonna have a lot of SmackDown people with Raw people that aren't gonna you know have never interacted before. Uh, I'm sure you'll get a spot in there with Absolution and the Riot Squad facing uh, you know their mirror images basically, and that'll be cool. So I look forward to it. Now, my biggest question that came out of Raw was that after this announcement way, how is that going to impact the Royal Rumble pool? Oh, good question. Damn. We haven't even talked about the Rumble pool. God, I don't know. Uh, that's a very good question. Stay and tuned, everyone. We're going to have to talk to our the moderator, oh, boy, the man, the myth, the angler. About how we're gonna do this uh, this year. It might be a double pool. It might be t- twice the amount of work for Chris. Wow. God, I don't know. It's gonna be man. an all nighter. We might have to keep it to the men. It's like I, there's no no guarantee. Or maybe we'll maybe focus on the women. Like maybe we'll maybe just do a two hundred five live Royal Rumble as well. Mm. On the on the kickoff show. Yeah. So right now, who 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 can you see being sort of like the big surprise? Ronda the Rousey. Big surprise. And Ronda wins. Yes, to to, she to has to, to WrestleMania. Yeah, she has to. No, it's not Ronda. I don't. I can't. I can't imagine. It's possible. I guess. I guess anything's possible. But I wouldn't do it. Do you? Do you think uh, we'll get any? Like, we'll get any of the debuts, like uh, Shayna, or you know? That, see, they're only now teasing Shayna's debut on NXT television, right? Um, so you've just kind of introduced her there. Um, I guess it all goes into what their what their plans are on the WrestleMania. I think this is a good way to, especially this year, you'll set up a big women's match for WrestleMania and have two months to build True. it. With hopefully they've got a solid idea, and I would think that they do have a great idea if they're going ahead this year and doing this Rumble. I agree, and I think like you know they see, they have enough marketable uh, uh, wrestlers in the division now to to have it actually be. Uh, you know, a main event, and that I guess that kind of further tells you their lack of pressure to have a an exciting main event with the Brock Lesnar match because you have two Rumbles this year, uh, in in you know I think interesting outcomes that are expected from both of those matches. So, I mean, we'll all be watching the show just for those those two things. Yeah, and I mean, even with the Rumble being your, you know, you have your two hour kickoff and then the four hour show. When you're talking about two rumbles Mm -hmm. and and granted we don't know i thought they said 30 women in this but i could have been wrong so who knows um but you have two rumbles you have the universal title match and then you throw in a wwe title match i mean that's gonna eat up the majority of those four hours yeah so it's not gonna be a ton of matches on this it's gonna be i mean the lion's share of it will be these two Mm -hmm. rumbles all right that is going to uh, bring an end to the show. Uh, once again, folks, if you are on Twitter, at Post Wrestling, let us see how many of you hear this message, uh, and we can update you on Wednesday when we're back with our review of SmackDown Live coming out of the the hot Clash of Champions show from Sunday night. We will be uh, discussing SmackDown, and who knows what else we'll be discussing. Uh, but also, I forgot to mention this off the top. The Christmas show is on s- Sunday, 
and the deadline for your Christmas jingles uh, is today, if you're listening to this. Tuesday, December the 19th. Please send us your Christmas jingles by, uh, we said 3 p.m. Eastern time. Is that a good uh, time way? Yes, I would say so. 3 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday. Yes. John Pollock. 416 at gmail.com is where you can send your entries. Uh, we've all we've already got a handful of entries, so get them in Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. John Pollock, 416 at gmail.com. Exciting. It's exciting times, folks. So that is it. Lots coming up this week. Trust me. So we will say good night or good morning, and we will chat with you on Wednesday.